Today marks the second of a series on wisdom. I decided a couple of months ago to start preaching. It began last week. This season of graduation prompted my thoughts about wisdom and where wisdom is found these days, as well as our season of politics and candidacies which seemed to show about as much wisdom as a 10-year-old with a new cell phone. I made the case that the Bible sees wisdom, last week at least, as the feminine alter ego of the Logos, the Word, Word in masculine, Sophia in feminine, according to Proverbs 8, and that both the Logos and the Sophia were pre-created before anything else was created God was with wisdom and word in dance and play, and that that wisdom is, in fact, the sort of glue, the Higgs boson particle in particle physics that holds it all together and keeps it from going into chaos. The wisdom of God is that God particle in all of life. Wisdom, unlike knowledge or information, cannot be Googled up and memorized. Instead, it comes to us as a gift. And it comes when we are ready to receive it. And usually through another wise person, but not always, it can come through our own experiences, usually those experiences that begin with mistakes. I was talking about this recently with a wise young person, and I asked him what he thought about wisdom. He said, I think wisdom is that which comes from stories. He was on to something. What do you mean by that? I said, well, he said, wisdom is learned and gained from stories, hopefully from other people or other stories that you can learn from as they teach you, maybe mentors, maybe Bible stories, and so forth. From those stories, we gain wisdom, but not always. He said the wise gain wisdom that way. The less wise gain wisdom from their own stories. We all have plenty of examples of that in our lives, those stories that started out so good that didn't end up so well, where we stumble over steps, symbolically or literally, and we learn, hopefully, and we grow wise. The even less wise people, I interjected, are those who don't even learn that way, but keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result, which is the definition of insanity according to the 12-step programs. The common thread, he said, in all of this is humility. And he was right. The acknowledgement that we are not God, we are not in control, we cannot always even barely manage things, and that we are not always right. The most wise prophet of all, Yogi Berra, said, when it comes to wisdom, it ain't about the heat, it's about the humility. Really, you missed that one? It ain't about the heat, it's about the humility. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
And what he means by that, fear, is this sense of humble acknowledgement that God is God and we are not. And let me remind you with most sermons I preach that we are preachers are usually preaching to ourselves. It's called self-persuasion just as much as we are preaching to you. And as I look back on my life, I can confess that there are plenty of times when I had to learn humility the hard way. I was humbled. Looking back at those times when I was humbled, it was because I was too proud and arrogant, mainly because I was insecure and afraid. I can remember a particular sermon or two or three that I have preached in my lifetime that were spot on right, but were probably arrogant in the delivery and certainly arrogant at the time that it was preached. Knowing what I know now, I am grateful for a community of forgiveness. And with that mea culpa, I suspect you know what I'm talking about in your own lives, I hope. The text this morning comes from Luke 7. Luke has finished his Sermon on the Plain. In Matthew, it is the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon he preached in both Gospels. He's finished speaking, and now he begins to walk the talk. Jesus says the Sermon on the Plain is about the kingdom of God, which he points out is less a place that we go to, especially when we die, than it is a state that we enter into now when we are most fully and faithfully alive. The text begins, After Jesus had finished his Sermon on the Mount, his sayings, in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. A centurion there had a slave whom he valued highly and who was ill and close to death. When he heard about Jesus... He sent some Jewish elders to him, asking him to come and heal his slave. When they came to Jesus, they appealed to him earnestly, saying, He is worthy of having you do this for him, for he loves our people, and it is he who built our synagogue for us. And Jesus went with them, but when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but only speak the word and let my servant be healed. For I also am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my slave, do this, and the slave does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd that followed him, he said, I tell you, Not in all of Israel have I found such faith. When those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the slave in good health. This is the word of the Lord. It's hard when we first hear this passage not to get caught up in the miraculous healing powers of Jesus. He seems to virtually Skype his powers over the spiritual Wi-Fi and heals the centurion's slave from a distance. With the gift of Jesus' healing astounding in its own right, 
Luke seems to simply take it for granted, using it to point out more important facts. And the first is this. Jesus' healing is available for all people. All people. Even for his enemies. This centurion, who clearly was one, a captain of the occupying Roman army, not just an outsider or a Gentile, the Roman officer whose occupation had been sitting on top of Israel as Don Corleone sits on top of his family. Vegetius was an historian from the 5th century, the period of the great Roman, late Roman Empire, who wrote a book called The Epitome of Military Science. And in it, he described the qualities of a centurion in rather glowing terms. A centurion is chosen for great strength and tall stature, as a man who hurls spears and javelins skillfully and strongly, has expert knowledge how to fight with the sword and rotate the shield, and has learned the whole art of armature. He is alert, sober, and agile, and more ready to do the things ordered of him than speak. He keeps his soldiers in training, makes them practice their arms, and sees that they are well clothed and shod, and that the arms are burnished and bright. Sounds like the Roman version of a superhero. Iron Man? Mm, Captain America may be even better. This is the one whose slave Jesus healed because he had said in his sermon, love your enemies and do unto them what you would have them do unto you. As astounding as that is, there's something even more so than that this soldier, not a Jew, not a Christian, not even one who seems to confess that he believes in God, certainly not one of the disciples, ends up being the one that Jesus holds up as the example of faith greater than any in all of Israel, something I suspect that the priests and the religious people probably did not appreciate hearing, being that they thought that they were pretty righteous too, thank you very much. It begs the question, what was it that Jesus saw in him to evoke such a response? Not in all Israel have I seen such faith. It wasn't just that he believed in Jesus' healing. There were lots of people who believed in Jesus' healing. He had heard enough about that healing to know that at his uh, last resort, he sent uh, Jewish servants and people to ask Jesus to help his slave out. Uh, That's not what evoked Jesus' comment. But the story says, I think clearly, that what was was his humility The centurion sitting on top of this incredible power could have ordered him to come. He could have ordered Jesus to heal. He could have done lots of different things. Instead, he sends servants and humbly asks Jesus to heal him. And then when Jesus is drawing near, he sends servants again and says, just don't come, please, for fear that if Jesus, speaking of humility, What is it about those mufflers? (laughs) Don't come, he says, for fear that if Jesus does come to to his house, 
he would be contaminated by the Jewish purity laws and therefore an outcast himself. He simply says, speak the word and it will happen. The good ones, the good people in power, the politicians, the preachers, the bosses, the military, the good ones, respect and honor and assist those in places that are, that are in need where they are stationed. The good ones use their power for the people. The not-so-good ones, the bullies, the proud, the arrogant, full of hubris, use their people for their power. The good ones are compassionate and humble. The bad ones are rude and mean and full of hubris. And what scares me these days is that the bully seems to be getting the upper hand no matter which side of the party you are on. I was playing golf recently this last week with a friend from Atlanta who is the pastor of a huge church in Buckhead and I was we were talking some about how hard it has been for him after uh, he uh, replaced his predecessor who most of us knew was a man of enormous ego needs and a sort of thirst for power. I told him I was glad that his church had called him because they were clearly saying and calling him that they were looking for someone with more humility. He thanked me and discounted that compliment, and then he sighed, saying, you know, what worries me is that it seems people like my predecessor are the ones who can best run those large churches in Buckhead, not just churches in Buckhead, it seems. I've thought about it since that conversation. Maybe it does take huge ego needs and power to collect the masses and and to hold people in check. But the model that we have as a church of Jesus Christ is exactly the opposite of that. Who did not claim power and pride as something to be grasped, as Philippians 2 says, As Paul wrote to us, the church, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, doing nothing from selfish conceit, but in humility Regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, He humbled himself 
and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Humility, I think, is the ground of wisdom. The ground of faith, for it is the way of Christ, just as it is the way for humanity when we are at our best selves. If we were more humble, we would be willing to claim that we do not know all the answers and that we do not think that we are always right and that we need other people that we do not always agree with to help us understand a bigger truth than just our own very small, minute perspective, that we need diversity of race and opinion because we are so narrow-minded If we were humble, we would be a lot bigger tent than we are today. One of my favorite sayings came from C.S. Lewis, who wrote in Mere Christianity, Do not imagine that if you meet a really humble man, he will be what most people call humble nowadays. He will not be a sort of greasy, swarmy person who is always telling you that, of course, he is nobody. Probably all you will think about him is that he seemed a cheerful, intelligent intelligent chap who took a real interest in what you said. If you dislike him, it will be because you feel a little envious of anyone who seems to enjoy life so easily. He will not be thinking about humility. He will not be thinking about himself at all. It's born out of the word humus, by the way, humility, which means ground, and the stance or posture of humility is face on the ground when standing in the very presence of the holy, sovereign God. It grounds us. Lewis went on to say, unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all that are, uh, and all of that are mere flea bites in comparison It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. I can confess that true in my own life. Frank Lord Wright said, Early in life I had to choose between honest arrogance and hypocritical humility. I chose the former and have seen no reason to change. I wonder at the end of his life, looking back at a family that he deserted, three families actually, the wives that he abandoned, the hearts that he broke, if he didn't grow wise enough to see that his humility was no longer a thing of hypocrisy. This is why we baptize infants, friends. They can do nothing more than eat and cry and coo and poop and sometimes even look angelic when they're not looking satanic. You know what I mean by that. They're both and. We baptize infants because... An infant does not pick being baptized. An infant can't be proud of being baptized. There's nothing haughty about an infant being baptized. It simply comes as an ultimate grace of God that none who are baptized as infants can ever say, I deserved it. A few years ago, a group of ministers wanting to learn more about astrophysics invited a physics professor 
to come lecture them. For two hours he talked about the enormous size of the universe and particle physics. And after that lecture he asked for questions and a preacher raised his hand and said, thank you so much, doctor, for that incredible lecture to us. I've learned a lot, but as a bunch of preachers gathered here, can you help us understand what we are most deeply supposed to learn? And the professor looked out at him with a smile and said, humility? Never in all the churches have I seen such a faith, Jesus might have said of that physics professor, if he had been there. <laughs> 